Okay. Uh, Lori and I uh, have, on our mother's side, grandparents that grew up in Romania. And uh, they didn't meet in Romania. They met in Akron, Ohio. But till they were in their 20s, they lived in Romania. Uh, and they always had an interest in me going over to Romania to see the old country and perhaps to run into some long-lost relatives. Well, back a number of years ago, Southwestern had an annual mission trip to Romania. And so we had the uh, honor that year of going over to Romania to Tigamorish. And Sharon and I had a uh, marriage enrichment and marriage preparation uh, seminar that we had for the pastors. And I would speak in the evening, and these were just delightful, responsive people. But I had to be translated first into Romanian and then Hungarian uh, because there were a number of Hungarian people too. So I would speak and then get translated into Romanian. And sometimes the Hungarian would ask the Romanian for the right word in Hungarian. And they're talking for a while. And I'm up there thinking, what was I talking about? (laughs) Uh, But they were wonderful, wonderful, delightful people there in Tigamorish. Tigamorish is only about 150 miles from the Ukrainian border. And the church there in Tigamorish, along with other Adventist churches there in Tigamorish, is a refuge place for a number of Ukrainians who have left Romania. A lot have gone to Poland, but a number have come right there to Romania. Uh, there to wait things out and hope for the, that there will be peace. So uh, I, have, I have just a special burden. I'm so glad that he mentioned that. I have a special burden. Uh, we can all pray, right? We can also donate to ADRA. Uh, ADRA is doing a wonderful job helping with the refugees. And I, for one, well, let me just tell you. Uh, <laughs> uh, when we were driving over, uh, there was a car dealership and a huge United States flag. You know what? Right next to it, a big Ukrainian flag, blue and yellow. So whenever I get the opportunity, I wear blue and yellow. It's solidarity. And that's Sharon, that's why Sharon and I have known each other quite a while. We were at a wedding a number of how many years now? Actually, August twenty third will be thirty years. Thirty years. How about that? Yeah. So uh, anyway, I commended her on her colors that she's wearing today, and she didn't know quite why, but uh, good for you, good for you, because uh, we need to pray for those people every, every day. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, uh, as we open your word, open our hearts, open our minds to what you would have us to know. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, It was uh, my senior year at Southwestern. I had been dating this fine person named Sharon a few weeks. I'm fond of the name Sharon. Uh, And uh, it was coming up on the women's Christmas banquet. Uh, Every other year, it was the women's responsibility to plan the banquet. And I was hoping she'd ask me, and she did. Uh, But that year was kind of different. That year, instead of on campus there at Southwestern, it was at a fancy restaurant up in Fort Worth. So we drove up to Fort Worth and went into the lobby of the restaurant. 
And then my friend Phyllis came up to me and she said, Benji and Sharon, I, I, there's somebody I want you to meet. I said, sure. And so she took us over to this very distinguished looking gentleman in a military outfit with all these medals all over his chest. And she said, uh, General Christofferson, this is Benji and Sharon, General Christofferson, the Danish ambassador to the United Nations. And he took Sharon's hand and kissed it. She looks over, Sharon looks over at me like, you should have such charm. <laughs> you couldn't understand him real well because he was a heavy Danish accent. Uh, but it was nice to meet him. And then Phyllis called me aside. She said, Benji, I want you to sit next to him at the head table. We want someone that can make good conversation. I said, Phyllis, I came here just to relax and enjoy the evening, not to talk to some Danish ambassador. She said, please, we're longtime friends. I said, so now we sit down next to the Danish ambassador. And we talk Christmas customs. He talks about Christmas customs in Denmark. I tell him about some of our Christmas customs. Uh, and then he's interested in, in um, oh, how, the world events. What do you think of Vietnam? And I said, well, I, I don't think it's going very well. We either need to win it or get out of there. It's not going well. I'm not pleased. Then he said, well, uh, what about, he said, since I've been here, I've heard that, the, that uh, President Johnson's wife uh, owns his television station down in, in Austin. What do you think of that? I said, well, I, said, I, I don't see how they can give fair news, you know, when the, when the president's wife owned the television station. And then he gets personal. He says, are you two engaged? I said, no, we've just been dating a few weeks. He says, if you'll get engaged and if you'll get married, I have a villa over in Denmark by the sea. You can spend your honeymoon there free. Sharon's eyes get big. I said, tell me more about your Christmas customs. <laughs> ah! So now he gets up after dinner speech and he tells some incredibly chilling, thrilling, gripping stories about how he led in the Danish underground against Hitler during World War II. It was just incredible. And right in the middle of one of his stories, he stops his Danish accent and starts talking in a deep southern brawl. He says, I came here tonight and most of you thought I was General Christofferson. <laughs> he says, but I'm not. He says, I came here to, to fool some of you. He said, because my real name is Cactus Pryor, uh, and I write a humor column for a, for a, for a, a paper down in Austin, and, and I'm also the station manager for uh, a television station in, down in Austin owned by my dear friend Lady Bird Johnson. <laughs> and he says, this fellow Benji over here tells me what he thinks of the Johnsons. He says, and Benji, there's a place in Vietnam for you. <laughs> I couldn't believe what had happened. Sharon couldn't he? How could we be so deceived? He seemed so real. Do you know he fooled everybody that night except the girls' club officers? The president of the college showed him how we'd use a knife and fork here in America to cut things. The president of the college was taken in bamboozled by this guy wearing a mask 
Not a literal mask, but an invisible mask claiming to be something he wasn't at all. Have you heard about masks? <laughs> you have to have been living on the moon the last couple years not to have heard about masks and issues involving masks and mask mandates and everything about masks, right? And it's still going about mandates for trans- public transportation and all that. Uh, it, it just goes on and on. There is one thing I have found that almost everybody does agree on about masks, and that is they're not appropriate when you eat, (laughs) right? It's kind of hard to eat when you're wearing a mask, whether you're at home or whether you're on a plane or whether you're in a restaurant. It's not, it just doesn't work very well wearing a mask. In fact, we have a relative who recently, oh, she really hates masks. And so she was recently on a long flight and she nibbled on her nuts the whole time. (laughs) So she didn't have to wear that mask. Now, I'd like us to look at a story in the Bible about two men who wore masks to dinner. Just like I was deceived at dinner by someone wearing a mask. I'd like us to look at this occasion in the Bible. All four gospel writers record it, although they stress different details about the dinner. It was six days before the crucifixion. It was Bethany, two miles from Jerusalem. And a man named Simon, the Pharisee, invites Jesus over to his house for dinner. That should surprise you, right? (laughs) How often was Jesus invited over to a Pharisee's house for dinner? But Simon did, because Simon also had another title, when you read Matthew and Mark, and that was Simon the leper. Simon had gotten leprosy. And it was dreadful. And he was quarantined. It's not fun to be quarantined, is it? Sharon and I tested positive for COVID some time back. We had to be quarantined. We, ours was very mild. We hardly knew we had it. But we had to be quarantined for a while, and it was stifling. Well, Lepers were really stifled because they were sent out from society there to see their fingers, their toes, their nose, their ears begin to gradually be eaten away by this horrible disease. Simon was the leper, but Jesus came along and healed Simon of his leprosy. His toes, his fingers, his ears, his nose, they came back. He deeply appreciated what Jesus had done. And so he invited Jesus over to his house that night for dinner. And at dinner there in Bethany, Jesus sat down next to Simon. And on the other side of Jesus was Lazarus, who had recently been resurrected. And now as they're eating dinner... There's a strong aroma filling the room. It's a very pleasant aroma. Oh, it smells so nice. And what had happened? A woman had opened up an alabaster box and had taken the perfume in it, spikenard, let down her hair and began to wash Jesus' feet and anoint them 
with that aroma. And, and just a little bit about alabaster. Alabaster, it, a soft rock that can be melded into a box, to a flax, to, to a vase. It could be, it was, it was treasured, alabaster. Sharon and I recently went to an to a anniversary party there in Keene. Uh, the family had decided that this couple needed an anniversary party. They'd never had one. And it wasn't their silver. That's 25. You know that, don't It wasn't their 50th. That's their gold. You know what it was? Their 37th. That is the alabaster anniversary. And Mark and Lori may not be aware, but in about three weeks, they're having their alabaster anniversary. Uh, did you know that? No, okay. <laughs> but you didn't know it was alabaster, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> and so uh, alabaster was, was quite treasured. Uh, not as much as gold, but treasured. And that's your 37th anniversary. All right. So now the aroma's filling the room. And there are a couple guys there wearing masks, symbolic masks, claiming to be something they're not. And they have something to say. First one is Simon. If you have your Bibles, will you turn over to Luke? And we'll look what Simon has to say. Luke 7 and verse 39. Luke 7, verse 39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Jesus had healed Simon of his leprosy. He had not healed him of his Phariseeism. <laughs> he was still a Pharisee. The classic picture of the Pharisee is what Jesus paints in Luke of the Pharisee and the publican that go up in the temple to pray. And the publican says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Pharisee says, I am so thankful I'm not like others, extortioners, murderers, and especially this, this scummy publican over there. God, I'm so thankful you grate on the curve. And that's what they felt. God graded on the curve. And if God graded on the curve, they were in good shape. You ever had a teacher that graded on the curve? I did when I was in the eighth grade. I had a teacher. He graded on the curve. He not only graded on the curve, our seating chart was according to our grades on the curve. Yeah, it happened. You wouldn't, it wouldn't happen nowadays, but it did then. This was the A row, and right here was the top A. And then the B row, and the C row, and the D row. And back in the corner was the F corner. Sorry, Sharon, that's not you. <laughs> but that's, that's how he... And after each test, we moved. Some from the B row to the A, some from the B row down to the C. The idea was to motivate us. You couldn't get away with that, I don't think, nowadays. But, but God graded on the curve, according to the Pharisee, and he was in good shape. Except Jesus had something to say to him. Let's look. 
Verse 40. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Dun, 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 dun. You know what Jesus could have said? Simon, you big hypocrite. You big hypocrite. Condemning her when you were the one that led this woman into a life of sin. You were the one. He could have exposed and humiliated Simon in front of his family, in front of everyone else there. He could have done that. He could have unmasked him and exposed him. And Simon would have been crushed. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was kind. Jesus told a story, as he often did. He told a story about someone who had been forgiven a lot of debt. And he was grateful, as this woman had been forgiven and was grateful. Jesus told the story. And you know what? When you read the Desire of Ages in this chapter, and you ought to read it sometime. It's a, it's a fascinating chapter. When you read the Desire of Ages, it turns out that Simon was so grateful that Jesus was kind and merciful and didn't humiliate him there in front of his family, that he went on to, to change from the way she puts it from being a proud Pharisee to being a lowly, self-sacrificing disciple of Jesus. He so appreciated Jesus' kindness and tact and mercy. Uh, there was someone else who had a comment <laughs> there at the feast. His name was Judas. Ever heard of him? Yeah, Judas Iscariot. Judas was the one of the disciples that volunteered to be a disciple because he saw potential in this teacher from Nazareth. He saw great potential. He could be the political deliverer from the Roman yoke. And if he was a political deliverer, Judas could be secretary of the treasury. And so he began to follow Jesus. And you know what Ellen White says in Desire of Ages? The disciples at first, they, they admired Judas. He was a very accomplished, professional person. He really seemed to know what he was doing. They trusted him with the money there. They really did. And so, so they, they trusted in Judas. Well, Judas had a comment. Uh, it's found in John. Let's look over in John for Judas. His comment. Verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Oh, noble Judas, the great philanthropist, thinking about the poor and needy, when I was a kid, I was a preacher's kid. So when I was just seven, eight years old, my dad had me out in gathering. Any of you remember in gathering? Yeah, okay. Well, like so many preacher's kids, I was drafted to go out in gathering. And when I was seven, eight years old, and I'd go out with my can door to door, and, and then I'd say, I'm out. I'm out for the poor and needy. And they'd look at my little seven, eight-year-old face. Oh, isn't that sweet? And <laughs> I'd plunk money in my can. <laughs> then I became 13, 14. 
with glasses and braces, and it wasn't so adorable anymore. And I still had the same canvas. I, I'm I'm delivering funds for the, out for funds for the poor and needy. And I remember well one man once looked at me and said, "So who's the poor and needy? Are you the poor and needy?" No, sir. I, I'm not. Well, the fact of the matter is, Judas was the poor and needy, right? Let's look at the next verse. Verse 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to take what was put in it. Did you get that? He was the poor and needy. And Jesus could have unmasked him big time. (laughs) Pulled it off. Judas, you big hypocrite. You're the poor and needy. I know what you've been doing. He could have crushed him right there. Humiliated him. He didn't. He he says about, well, this woman, this woman has done this act because she, she, she appreciates what I've done for her. He could have crushed Judas. But the problem was Judas was crushing himself because he was living in guilt, right? It's awful in life when you're living in guilt. When I was a chaplain at Forest Lake Academy in Orlando, I had a guy come in, a student come in. He was a senior. He plunks down on my desk a sack. He says, I'm giving these to you. I said, oh, how nice of you. I, got a, I said, I don't, I don't listen to hard rock music. I'm sorry. It was hard rock records. I said, I'm really not interested. Uh, give the, uh, he, says, uh, he says, I can't live with him. It's, it's how I got him. He said, I was in a record store recently. I didn't have enough money. And I slipped them into a bag. And, and, and when I play that, that record, I, I can't enjoy it. So you take them. I said, <laughs> I said, no, I don't want them. I said, uh, have you thought of, of taking them back? He said, you know, I thought of that. But you know I want to be a doctor someday. And it'll, it'll absolutely crush my dad. His dad was a pastor there. I said, well, I think you need to take them back. Give it a try. We had prayer. Several days later, he was back in the office. Big smile. He said, you know, I took him back. He said, they, were, they decided not to press charges. He said, I paid for the one that I'd open, and the rest they took back. You see, he says, I feel so good. <laughs> Two years ago, we went down to Forest Lake Academy for their alumni weekend. I saw him for the first time in 40 years. He's a doctor out west. He introduced me to his wife and to his sons. He said, oh, this is is Chaplain Benji. We used to play tennis together. He said, also, we had some good talks. And he looks over me at Winks. (laughs) (laughs) He could have been living in guilt for all those years, especially when he came back to Orlando. But the guilt had been relieved. Let me ask you a question. If after the dinner that night, Judas had come to Jesus and said, Lord, I got to level with you. I've been taking money out of the treasury and I want to make things right. Would Jesus have forgiven him? Absolutely. He would have forgiven him. But Judas couldn't bring himself to doing that. And eventually, of course, he betrays the Lord. And he regrets it so much that he ends up 
hanging from a tree and dropping from a tree and then the bloody mess. Oh, it was... Oh. The saddest words of tongue are men and that are these. It might have been. It might have... Judas could have been a leader in the early Christian church. You know, you meet all kinds of Peters. We have a grandson, Peter. You meet James. You meet John. You meet a Matthew. You meet a Mark. You meet a Simon sometimes. You ever met a Judas? Parents, even non-Christian parents, don't name their sons Judas. How sad. And what about the woman? Matthew, Mark, and Luke do not identify who the woman is. John does. Let's look and find out who the woman is. John 12 and verse 2. Let's look at There they made him a supper. Martha served. She was always serving. And Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly ointment of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the ointment. So who was the woman? Mary. Mary of Bethany? Sweet Mary who sits at the feet of Jesus while Martha's out there in the kitchen? but, But this is obviously a woman who was deeply into sin for a while. And then the story unfolds. When you read all four Gospels, when you read the Desire of Ages, the story unfolds. Mary, for a while, did sit at the feet of Jesus. And perhaps because she had a bossy older sister. If any of you ever had a bossy older sibling, I'm the oldest. And yet, my parents sometimes took into our house older cousins. There was one. She was always bossing me around and telling my parents that they didn't discipline me enough. I was so glad when she left. (laughs) Perhaps because Mary had a bossy older sister. We don't know all the reasons, but she went up to Magdal. And there in Magdal, a man named Simon gets into her life of sin and prostitution. Jesus comes along, casts seven devils out of her, and she becomes a loyal follower of Jesus. And she spends 300 denarii, that was probably her life savings, on this alabaster box with the ointment. She meant it to be used at his burial. That was kind of the typical thing that was done in those days, an embalming type of fluid. But she decided in a moment of spontaneity to open that box and let Jesus smell the perfume. Did Jesus appreciate that? Folks, how many times in the Gospels we see Jesus doing something kind for somebody, healing them, giving them mercy, There aren't too many times when people do something kind and thoughtful for Jesus. And meant a lot to Jesus. Did you you hear our scripture today? Let me read it again. You always have the poor with you. Whenever you you do good to them. But you will not always have me. 
She has done what she could. She has anointed my body before bearing. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Is that true? Are we doing it again today? Yes, we're doing it again today. Because of her thoughtfulness, her kindness at a critical moment in Jesus' life. And then on resurrection morning, who does Jesus appear to first? Mary. Who is the first to declare the risen Savior? Mary. This weekend around the world, people are celebrating the wonderful risen Savior. That's how we have hope. That's how we have hope. And it was Mary who first proclaimed it. Now, what lesson can we learn from this story? I think, number one, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not worthwhile to wear masks, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I mean, trying to, we can fool a lot of people a lot of the time, but we don't fool the Lord, do we? And so we might as well confess whatever needs to be confessed to the Lord. And if there's somebody else that we have hurt, in our lives. It's an appropriate thing to let them know. I like to think that Simon went to Mary and confessed what he had done wrong for her, to her. And there's something else. And that is what Mary did is a lesson for all of us because almost all of us have had difficult times in life. Almost all of us have had it rough, whether it's an illness or social or whatever. Almost all of us have had tough times. And if someone has come into our lives and made a difference and shown us thoughtfulness and mercy and kindness, I know I have. And how I appreciate, how I appreciate someone who has gone to the trouble to do that. And if there is someone in your life that you'd like to show appreciation. Don't wait until tomorrow. Amen. Do it now. Mary didn't wait, did she? She, she? she did that where Jesus could smell it. Do it today. Uh, coming into Mount Pleasant here, there's an interesting Mexican restaurant. Boy, it catches your attention. On the side of the restaurant. There it is, the big sign. Free enchiladas tomorrow. Does that restaurant ever give free enchiladas? No. No. Free enchiladas tomorrow. Whatever needs to be done needs to be done because that person that you'd like to thank may not be around tomorrow. You may not be around tomorrow. A few years ago, there was a new golf driving range in Cleveland. I'm a golfer. I'm a pathetic golfer. I'll admit it. So I need all the practice I can get. And so, and so I went out to the new driving range and hit a few balls. And, and uh, then I went to the owner, the new owner there, and told him, hey, I, I, it was neat to have a driving range so I could practice there. And the owner, Charles Nelson, says, well, I, I, I hope the business makes it. I really hope that it goes well. He says, and I'd love it if my, if my brother Willie would take the time to come over here and see it. Charles Nelson, Brother Willie. Uh, so I said, uh, so your brother's name is Willie Nelson? He said, yes. I said, you mean the Willie Nelson? <laughs> he said, yes, the Willie Nelson. 
I said, oh, oh, well, I, I hope he comes. Several weeks later, I read in the Cleveland Times Review that Charles Nelson had died suddenly of a heart attack during the night. And I thought to myself, I wonder if his brother Willie took the time to come over and see that driving range of his brothers. Because it was Willie Nelson who sang the song that goes like this. Little things I should have said and done, but I didn't take the time. You were always on my mind. You were always on my mind. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, we're so thankful that there at Simon's Supper, Mary took the time to show Jesus how much she appreciated his mercy and kindness and forgiveness. Lord, help us. Help us if we're wearing masks and we may be fooling other people, but we know we don't fool you. Help us to confess whatever we need to confess to you. And if we need to make right something to another person, help us to have the courage to do that and not to wait until it's too late. In Jesus' name, amen.